I'm actually pretty excited to be, to be sharing with you guys today about a few things that God has definitely been laying on my heart. So um, I can tell that he definitely has put it on my heart because I had a sermon about 60% done, and then on Thursday, he was like, hey, Josh, you should start over. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't hear you. <laughs> um, but he led me to a new scripture that... Um, and it's in Matthew 11, verse, uh, starting with verse 25 and going to verse 30. So I'm going to read that right now. Um, and yeah, so listen along. You can flip open your Bible if you've got it. So Matthew 11:25. this is from the New American Standard Version. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." So for the next half hour, give or take, unless the Lord intervenes somehow, uh, we're going to be going through a couple major things. So number one, um, we're going to be talking about how all of us are weary and heavy laden in some way. Uh, we're all experiencing things that we really weren't designed to experience. If you think about it, Adam and Eve, God created them in Eden, in paradise. And we were all designed to live in paradise. And I don't know if you've looked at the weather outside or looked at the political scene, but we are definitely not living in paradise. So we're, we're living in a place that we weren't designed to live in. So we are all weary and heavy laden. And Father has something that he's saying to each one of us. He's saying, come to me and I will give you rest. Living life through and with me can be easy, pleasant even. He's saying, I want to show you what I'm really like. And I want to show you what's true about you. And then you'll see that your outlook and your future is a lot more hopeful than you ever imagined. And if that sounds way too good to be true, especially the part about living can be easy and even pleasant, then Father has a special invitation for you. He wants to say, let me introduce myself to you again. And really, that's what this community of believers, that's what New Life Fellowship is really passionate about. We want to be helping people to encounter God um, together as a community and supporting people um, through that part of their life. And so that's kind of an inherent invitation here as well, is this is what we're passionate about, and this is what we're going to be focused on for the next unknown number of decades. And if that sounds great, then we'd love to, love to have you part of, of what we're doing here. So before we go any further, I'm just going to pray. And um, before I do that, is there anything, um, does anybody have a specific burden that you would like me to pray for? Um, or if it's just something that you want to not share, you can just put your hand up and know that Father's Got it? Awesome. I see that hand. <laughs> All right. Father, you're good. You're kind. And you deeply care for us. And you are mindful of the smallest, seemingly inconsequential details of life. Things that we don't really think we need to talk to you about or bother you with. And Father, I don't usually think of you as humble or gentle, but you say that you are those things. God, for the next little while, I pray that you'd speak to me and speak through me. And 
you've invited me to join you up here, Father, as you have something on your heart that you want to share with our precious friends. And so I just trust you, Father, with me and with my heart right now. Amen. Awesome. Well, let's dive in. So I did read the, the verses uh, right off the top, but I'm actually going to read them through another translation that I recently came across that I really love. It's called the Passion Translation. Um, so I'll just read it. You can hear it. It really brings out some really interesting nuances that I, I had never heard before. So this is Matthew 11:25. 25. Then Jesus exclaimed, Father, thank you, for you are Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth. You have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. And instead, you have shared it with those who humble themselves. Yes, Father, your plan delights your heart as you've chosen this way to extend your kingdom by giving it to those who have become like trusting children. You have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. No one fully and intimately knows the Son except the Father, and no one fully and intimately knows the Father except the Son. But the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone who he chooses. So, everyone, come to me. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am an oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, I'm humble, I'm easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. I remember when I read that for the first time, I was like, okay. There's a few things in there that really were hard for me to wrap my mind around. So one of them was the things that God calls us to is pleasant, can be pleasant and easy to bear. I grew up in the church. I grew up the son of a pastor. I'm the grandson of a pastor. You can imagine the things people have been saying to me my whole life. Um, and there was a message that was kind of drilled into me subtly over my life. And it was, if there's ever something you don't really want to do, that's what God's leading you to do because he wants you to sacrifice yourself. Um, and I'm not saying that that necessarily isn't true. Um, but what I am saying is that over my life, I just had this sense that what God was asking of me was something I did not want to do. So I carried that reluctance and I carried that weight into all of my conversations and all my relationships with God. So when I would hear a, a passage like what I just shared, my brain would autocorrect to match what I'd always been taught. So this is a little bit more of what my brain would hear when, I would, when someone would read a passage like that. Come to me, all you who are finally done making mistakes and are ready to work harder. I will show you how to live better. When you're ready to do things my way, your problems will work out for you. You keep screwing it up, especially you, Josh. It's true. Thankfully, thankfully for you, I am patient and I love you and it doesn't bother me too much to wait over here until you pull your life together. Frankly, Josh, I think you and I will like each other a whole lot more when you can finally figure this out. So, this obviously is really wrong on a whole bunch of levels. We're going to kind of get into that a little bit in the next little while. Obviously, the personal experience that I was having with God was a far cry from what I just read about easy to please, gentle, humble. I never, ever, ever would have used those words to describe God. Um, I always figured that the problems I had was just I didn't have quite the right teaching, or I was too lazy, or I just couldn't 
get things together. I was always self-sabotaging. I'm like, if I can just figure that out, just stop doing that, then stuff will start to work out. Um, but Father very graciously began a process of dismantling and deconstructing my broken, misconstrued, misconceptions of him. And that started about four years ago. Well, I guess you could argue it started on the cross and then when I was born, but like really stuff started to come to the surface about four years ago. And I would say the process started when I was challenged to write a letter to God. So I said, Josh, you want you to write a letter to God and ask him for what you really want. And I was like, okay, that sounds kind of weird, but whatever. So I really applied myself to it, and I actually spent quite a long time thinking about this. Um, and I, I knew I wanted to be as honest as possible. So I'm just going to share with you the letter that I actually wrote. Dear God, I've been thinking about this letter a lot over the past while, and I think I've landed on something. It's pretty simple, and it may even seem underwhelming at first, but the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced it's what I want. Here goes. I want to call you daddy without feeling strange or uncomfortable. To me, daddy feels fake. It's like I'm assuming an intimacy or a closeness that's not there. God or Jesus slips off my lips so much more easily. I have no problem accepting you and thinking of you on a grand epic scale, like the creator of all or Jesus, the man who died on the cross 2,000 years ago. But daddy, daddy assumes too much intimacy. It puts me square in your lap with your hair caught in my lips or tickling my nose. And you can smell my morning breath and I can see the tiny hairs just under your nose where the razor didn't quite cut as close as your skin. Your lap is where I ugly cry and I snot all over your sleeve. That sounds awkward. I'm used to getting all spiffed up and fancy for you. I'm used to bowing low before the king of heaven, but launching myself into your lap... I know in my mind that you're not aloof, and I know that you don't feel ambivalent about me, and I know that to you, I'm the pearl of great price, and you've sought after me desperately, but this puzzle piece without a puzzle still feels lost and dusty and forgotten. This puzzle piece is used to lying way back under the furniture, unused, unnoticed, and unwanted, and the more I think about it, the more bold my request becomes. Seriously, I think, the God of the universe died on the cross for me specifically. The architect of heaven cut across space and time to be reunited with me, to share a spirit with me, and somehow that's not enough? Well, apparently not. Yes, you've already proven yourself to me. Yes, you've done everything and anything to be with me. And yes, you've demonstrated your love in a massive and powerful way. But I just want to call you daddy. Deep down, I truly do want to ugly cry on your shoulder. I want to feel your stubble tickle my neck. I want to cuddle on your lap with your arms around me but I'm used to the space that formality gives. So, dear Heavenly Father, can you be daddy to me? Respectfully, Josh. When I read this letter now, I see God's graciousness in there because I think about the circumstances in my life at the time. Um, I was struggling in a lot of ways. My wife and I and our family had to move out of our house because my business wasn't making enough money for us to pay rent. And we were living uh, with my parents, and it just felt like everything I was doing was failing. And I was at a point where I was done with pat Christian answers. And I was wondering what the hell God was up to, because everything was horrible. And when I look at this, and I read back through it even now, like, man, God, like, somehow you 
pushed back, like the layers of cynicism and frustration and anger, and you allowed me to get a glimpse of my true heart, and I, my, my real heart, and I can't explain, like, that doesn't make sense to me that that letter came out of my circumstances. And so it's something that God 100% did that for me, and I know 100% of the truth, that wherever you're at today, he wants to do that for you. He wants to help you see your real heart, and he wants to show you who he really, really is. So this letter marks the beginning of a transformation in my life, a transformation that is definitely ongoing. Um, and the passage of Scripture, Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 to 30, that we're going to explore together, it really captures Father's heart and his desire for me and for all of us. So we're going to jump right into that right now. So uh, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Another version, the Passion Translation says, Everyone come to me. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am an oasis. So we're going to move through this passage just phrase by phrase. I'm just going to share a few things from each phrase that God kind of showed me. So one of the things that I noticed is it says, come to me. It doesn't say, come after me or come follow me. Now, Jesus says those phrases lots and lots of times. So I'm not saying we're not supposed to follow him. 100% we are. But in this instance, he's saying, if you're heavy laden, if you have a burden, be near me. Come to me. Um, he's saying, hey, let me show you what I'm all about. It's like he's offering to introduce himself to us all over again. The next phrase, are you weary and heavy laden? Other, other translations use words like fatigued, overworked, toiling, exhausted, overburdened, loaded down. I would say that the average Sunday morning, if I was hearing a sermon or a talk like what I'm giving here, if someone's like, hey, are you heavy burdened? I'm like, oh, I don't feel too bad right now. But that's because, for me at least, when I get around people, I'm like a people person, so I kind of get energized. But the question that I want to ask you is, when you're alone and you're tired, do you feel heavy burdens? Do you, do you feel heavy laden? And there's a bunch of different types of burdens that we can have. Um, there's a huge religious burden we can carry. In fact, Matthew 23, verse 4, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees, and this is what he says, they tie on your backs a heavy load of religious obligation and insist that you carry it, but will never lift a finger to help to ease your load. Like, man, that totally describes like my thoughts, or like my kind of subconscious expectation of what my spiritual life is supposed to be like. Like, I'm failing in everything, so obviously I've got to pray more. I've got to worship more. I've got to give more. Like I went through a time in my life where I really believed that I needed to tithe on everything, not just my income, um, but on my time. So I would get up every morning at 4.30 and spend 2.4 hours. Yes, 2.4, that's right. 2.4 hours. And I'm not saying that wasn't good or that good things didn't come of that, but like I was short on sleep for a long time. Like I didn't have to do that. And I felt like if I could just do this, then that would kind of somehow help jockey myself and, and to get things into the right manu uh, maneuver myself into, into a better standing. Or I kind of had this idea that God was like a combination lock. If I could just get the right balance of like performance and prayer and uh, faith healing now and again, it would be amazing. Um, and like giving and giving sacrificially. If I could just find the right mix of that, then somehow like the doors to God would be unlocked and I'd begin to experience him in a real, real way. And that's what this burden of religion it means. It's when there's an expectation on you 
And you either are striving really hard to reach it, or you've been striving for so long that you just give up. And I've been on both sides of that, 100%. Um, I think another reason that we get heavy, uh, weary and heavy laden is from our, uh, we're driven, a lot of people. They're driven, they have a goal in the mind, and they wanna reach that goal. Um, when I, I quit my job in my, when I was 23, I think it was, 25, doesn't matter that much, but, um, and I said, okay, by the time I'm 30, I want to hit all of these specific goals. I'm going to make more money than I've ever made, which really wouldn't be hard because I didn't have a great job. Um, I want to have a really successful business and I have lots of clients. I want to be completely debt-free, all these, all these things. And I pushed so hard. By the time I hit 30, I think we were technically like $1,000 deeper in debt and my business definitely wasn't going well. Um, I had set all these goals for myself. And I was failing miserably and I've been pushing myself so, so hard. And everything felt like it was falling apart. I was definitely under a heavy load because I've been driving myself and pushing myself. And sometimes we're just weary and heavy laden because of circumstances. Crappy things happen, and it's not my fault or your fault. It's just like terrible things happen in life, and that weighs on you, and that drags on you. Things, unjust things, unavoidable things, things just happen, and we find ourselves weary and heavy laden. And then the last part of this verse is, I will give you rest. So Jesus is saying, hey, if you can fit yourself into this category, being weary and heavy laden, I have something for you. And all you need to do is be near me. Come to me. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm asking you to come to me and look to me. So something about the word rest. Um, I am not a scholar well, I could say I'm a scholar in many ways, but I am not like a biblical scholar. I don't really understand the original languages, but there's cool things like interlinear Bibles. You can go online and you can actually see what the original Greek word is and to follow along. So I did a bunch of that this week. Really interesting. I'd, I'd suggest that to anybody who wants to kind of bring a new dimension to their uh, reading uh, and scripture and stuff like that. But the word for rest in the original language, um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. But what I found out is that it's actually a combination of two different words put together. And so one of the words means to be exempt, and the other word means to refresh. So when I think about what God is offering me, what he's offering all of us here today, is he's like, all of your loads, I'm going to make it so they don't apply to you anymore. That's what I want to do for you. So yes, um, they're still going to be there, but they're not going to apply to you anymore. And not only that, but I'm going to refresh you. Something else that I thought was really interesting was that um, God is saying, these are things I'm going to do for you. It's like not you will refresh yourself or you will exempt yourself. I will do this for you. So what he's saying is whatever is burdening you or exhausting you, I will exempt you from that and I will refresh you. So what do we need to do? Re receive it. We need to draw near to him and look to him and ask him about this stuff. Um, another note in the, in the studying that I was doing is saying that this Greek word, um, I think it's anapauso, actually, I don't know why I just remembered it right now, but the Greek word, the exempt and refresh, it also has like an implication. And if ancient Greeks or ancient biblical people were ever taking a break or going to go on vacation, they would use this word as well. So there's an implication here of vacation or recreation. And when I think about the struggles in my own life, both in the past and today, and the heavy burdens that I've gone through and that I'm carrying now up in front of you guys, I think God wants me to experience like a vacation-style 
experience like right now, like I'm having a really hard time fathoming that. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more. But what I do want to highlight here is that Jesus is saying, not only am I going to exempt you from your burdens and refresh you, but I also want to show you how to enjoy your life with me. And he's not saying, I'm going to get rid of your burdens so you can finally enjoy life. It's like, I'm going to teach you how to enjoy life. It's like in Psalm 23, he says, you know, he sets a table, a feast before us in the presence of our enemies. He's not saying, I'm going to destroy all your enemies and then we're going to have a feast. I'm going to get rid of all your burdens and then you're going to be refreshed and exempted and and relaxed. He's not saying that at all. He's not saying, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden and I will give you five keys to a victorious life. He's not saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you 10 steps to rid yourself of your burden, and step three and four are going to blow your mind. He's not saying that. He's not saying, I'm going to solve your problems. He's not saying, I'm going to give you the solution that you need. He's not saying, I will grant your wishes. Only he's saying, come to me, and you will find yourself refreshed, exempted, and you won't have to lift a finger. That's the promise that he has for us. Come to me, and the heat, the exhaustion, the fatigue, the confusion, the clouded thinking, the parched ache of your personal desert experience will melt away in an oasis of a trusting friendship with me. Come to me, and your desert will become a beach. Moving on to verse 29. It says, Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Uh, The Passion Translation says, Join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, I'm humble, and I'm easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. So here, Jesus is taking the initial invitation, he's expanding on it. He's giving us a little more information about what the experience is going to be like, uh, what's all entailed in the arrangement, and kind of a bit of a preview of what we're getting ourselves into, should we accept his invitation. So the first uh, chunk says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Um, When I was a kid, uh, I don't know if uh, people, if you have a church background, you can remember Sunday school as a kid that have flannel graphs, little paper people stuck up on a board. I remember that. I think we should bring that back. But, um, and they, what's that? Amen. Oh, I love it. Uh, so they would always, they would read this and they put up a picture of two oxen, two big bulls with uh, kind of a big wooden collar that kind of fits over both of their shoulders with like straps under their necks. It's like, that's what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to come and put your neck in the other strap with his and he, you guys can work together and pull together to, um, to, to, to live your life. And won't that be great? You're pulling there and Jesus is pulling there and you're, you're partnering in your life. Doesn't that sound wonderful? I'm like, yes, it does. I was eight. I didn't know anything. Um, but the important thing to know, and the more I dug into that, the more I see this, is the, the, the metaphor here, the yoke metaphor, is not about work. It's, not, it's about union. So again, a yoke is a wooden collar that fits over the shoulders of two beasts of burden to help them pull together. Now, what I found out in my research this week is that when a young animal needs to be trained in how to work, they'd link them up with a really strong, really experienced partner who would take care of pulling all of the weight. And the only thing the young one had to do was to learn how to walk and how to, how to walk in tandem with this other one. So, um, you know, moving in concert, navigating turns, all that kind of stuff. And that's us right there. Jesus is saying it, hey, let me come and partner with you. He's like, let me take the weight 
And all I want you to worry about is what it's like to walk in tandem with me. And all you have to do is learn. It's my job to teach you. It's like, and you will learn. That's, to me, that's like a really cool, really special thing. Jesus isn't coming and saying, hey, let's, uh, you take care of this and I'll take care of this. And we'll kind of, let's split the work and and then we'll work. No, it's not that at all. It's like, let me take everything and you just job shadow. That's pretty much, I think, what God's asking, what Jesus is offering to do. Um, the second section says, I am gentle and humble in heart. What sort of words would you use to describe God? I definitely would not have used gentle or humble. I definitely would not have said easy to please. Like I kind of alluded to earlier, God of the universe, architect of heaven, mighty warrior, huge, powerful, incredible. And like little old me, I'm just, just, just happy to be in the room. You know, I'm just so pleased that I get to have a seat at the table. I was just so wonderful. I'm just so glad I can just catch a glimpse of him. To be honest, this part of the verse, uh, this is still an ongoing struggle for me. I'm still struggling with what it means to have like that really close intimacy with God. But he says here, he's gentle and humble in heart. And, and the Greek words behind that, they have a, a gentle, a mild, um, lowly in spirit. And like not in a bad way, but you know, you ever hear somebody who's like met a celebrity and like, oh my gosh. That guy is like, that girl, she's so awesome. She's just like a normal person. It's like, she's not like high and mighty or anything. It's like, it's kind of that except applied to God. So it's way better. Um, The other thing is like, he's gentle and he's humble. He's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to exert his will over you. He respects you. He respects your choices. And that's really special. That's like, to me, that's just so different than what I've always learned and what I've always heard. And of course, all of our experiences are different. Um, so that might not be where you're struggling, but that's, that's, where, I, that's where I'm struggling. Uh, the last uh, section of the verse says, you will find rest for your souls. So um, the word souls here, again, thank you, Interlinear Bible and BibleHub.com, so great. Um, soul, the Greek word is suke, which is where we get the word psych from psychology. So suke is a word that literally translates to breath. And from my understanding, um, suke is used to kind of refer to the abstract essence of a person. So biblical scholars who've got a lot more experience and a lot more skill than me, um, one guy I would recommend, his name is Watchman Nee. You can go and Google him and talk about um, like suke, and you'll find lots of articles all about that if you want to dig into this uh, on your own. But um, biblical scholars who have a lot more experience and skill than I do will tell you that suke refers to a person's soul. And that my soul and your soul contain kind of three parts or three functions. So the first one is the mind, the second one is their will, and the third one is the emotions. So your mind obviously is where our information is stored. Sometimes it's good information, sometimes it's bad information, but that's where it's kept. And then the will, think of it like your chooser. I've heard Ross say the will is your chooser before. Um, and that drives your behavior or that drives the actions that you take. And then your emotions are kind of where, where your feelings come from and that kind of thing. So what Jesus is saying here is like, I want to bring rest to you in each of these areas. So I want to bring rest to your mind. Are you confused? Are you clouded? Are you not sure which is the right way to go? What's the best choice? Have you been believing lies that have been drilled into you since you were a kid about God or about the world, about men, lies about women? lies about yourself, and are you, are you unsure of what to believe? Then Jesus says to you, come to me and I will give you rest. In your will, are you suffering under consequences of a decision you've made? Do you struggle with regret? 
Are you contemplating a difficult decision? Are you afraid of making a mistake? Are you straining to fix yourself? Are you sweating and working to rebuild patterns of behavior or put new habits in place in your life? Have you given up trying to fix yourself? To you, Jesus is saying, come to me and I will give you rest for your will. What about your emotions? Are your emotions playing havoc with you? Are you stranded in guilt or shame or fear or anxiety? Do you live on a roller coaster? Do you feel like you're numb? Jesus invites you as well. Come to me. I will give you rest for your emotions. Again, that's a really deep well. There's, a, there's so much you could do uh, in that area, the mind, the will, and the emotions, and what God wants to bring, the restoration that he has for all of us. Um, but that's not what he asked me to talk about today. So um, verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the hard one for me. All that I require of you will be pleasant and easy. That's the, that's the, the passion translation. This is where I'm, I've tripped over my feet. Hold the phone. This is not what I've believed and experienced. But that's what it says. I'm not making it up. This isn't my, my opinion of it. That's what literally what the verse says. So if you choose to believe the Bible, this is what God is saying your experience should be like. That's Jesus' description of life with him. When you and I are sharing life, Jesus says, you'll find it easy, pleasant even. And that's what we can expect as we are abiding when we're walking in step with Jesus and he's walking in step with us. Yoke, same word as before, has to do with uh, coupling, has to do with union. It's no longer about me, but it's about me and Jesus. Jesus carrying the weight, I'm job shadowing. Um, Easy, again, the words useful, gentle, pleasant. And an interesting side note for this as well is like uh, part of the root word for easy in this verse has to do with the the Greek Greek word for useful and employed. So when I think about that, I think, okay, this isn't like I'm just not doing anything. I'm playing video games kind of easy. But it's like this is work that comes naturally to me. And it's and I, there's fulfillment that I get from it. And so it's not um, easy as in I don't have to apply myself, but easy in the sense that I'm not forcing motivation. It's a challenge that I'm up to. And it's like at the end of the day, boy, that was a great day. Muscles are kind of sore, but boy, it feels good. Like I'm just, you hit, go to sleep as soon as you hit the pillow. Um, I mean, again, ties in right into the second, second part. The, uh, my burden is light. Um, it's not burdensome. I'm going to read the, the, whole, the whole thing again, just to kind of refresh us all uh, from the Passion Translation. Jesus exclaimed, Father, thank you, for you are Lord. You're the supreme ruler over heaven and earth. You have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. Instead, you have shared it with those who humble themselves. Yes, Father, your plan delights your heart as you've chosen this way to extend your kingdom, giving it to those who become like trusting children. Father, uh, you have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. No one fully and intimately knows the Son except the Father, and no one fully and intimately knows the Father except the Son. But the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I will require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. 
If I was sitting down listening to me talk, there would be a few thoughts going through my head right now. One is, this sounds too good to be true. Number two, this is drastically different than my day-to-day experience. And number three, I'm not sure this is even, I can't imagine myself in that place, in that position. And what I would say is that, typically speaking, um, in my own journey, wrestling with this over the years, what I'm finding is, uh, I think what God really showed me this week and has been showing me is, typically there are three areas that will end up causing problems for you. Um, and, and they have three major areas of cause issues for me where I've tripped up. And these are things that when something's not right in there or there's a, I'm believing a lie in there, then um, my experience is going to be warped and skewed. So the first one is, is like my concept of God. What do I believe deep down that God is like? If, I, if my concept of God is off, that's going to cause problems in many other places and many other areas. Secondly is if my concept of myself is off and who I am, if that's not right, that's going to cause a lot of problems as well. And the third one is if I'm not abiding. And abiding is, is uh, this is a, again, this is a whole sermon series in and of itself, but the idea of being yoked with Jesus, where I'm not expecting myself to do the work, I'm expecting Jesus to do it through me and I'm learning how to live with him in the process of that. So um, specifically, I'd say there are a few uh, suggestions or thoughts that have been very, very helpful for me in my own journey uh, of learning to abide and learning what it means to walk with Jesus. So the first thing I would say is that God isn't threatened at all by anger. He's not threatened by our fury uh, at him. He's not threatened by anxiety. He's not threatened by stress. And because he values our heart more than anything else, and he longs for us to bring a gloves-off, uncensored, not-safe-for-work honesty in our relationship with him. And so what I would say is, like, if your experience today is not what we've worked through, like, bring that to God. Bring that to him. Maybe you write a letter to God like I did. That was the beginning of an amazing transformation that's ongoing in my life. Um, the second thing I would say, another uh, uh, really powerful thought that's really been helpful for me is the idea of like acting yes to Jesus trumps feeling yes to Jesus. Honestly, sometimes like my ears have cotton balls in them and I can't hear his voice. Um, sometimes it's like I can't see where to go and I don't feel like things are... are um, I don't feel, feel like things are true. But what is faith anyways, right? Like it's acting out of what you know to be true, regardless of how you feel. And so saying yes to Jesus can look like different things at different times. So sometimes I'm in a place where I'm anxious and I'm worried and I'm stressed out and that the message of come to me and I will give you rest, like it resonates like, yes, Jesus, I want that. And it's relief. I just feel that yes right through my whole body. And that's 100%. That's a great yes to have to Jesus. Other times, like, man, I just closed a bunch of new clients this week. Business is going great. Like, you know, we're saving up for a van. And it's great to see that number going up in the bank. And like, like I, I, there's like a lot of the pressures and stresses that I used to have in my life. They're not nearly as heavy. And like, I don't really 
feel like I need to say yes to Jesus. But at the same time, like people do say that you can't ever exhaust God. So there's got to be more. So I'm kind of curious, right? I'm, I'm curious to see what God has for me more. So I, I don't feel like saying, like I need it. It's like, I'm curious about it. So I'm going to say yes. And you might not feel like you need to say yes, but if you do say yes in spite of that feeling, that is an awesome yes to say to Jesus. Um, sometimes it's a yes out of fear. And I struggle with this a lot. Like um, my wife will tell you, I have an incredible imagination and I see my kids playing and I'm like, someone's going to fall and I can see blood, shard, or blood spattering and, and I can see bone shards flying everywhere. I can hear the sickening crunch in my mind. Like, and I have to say yes to God. Like, yes, 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 God. Yes, remind me. Yes, you have my kids. You love my kids. Oh my goodness. Yes, this is. And like, it's a yes out of fear. And that's a good yes. That's okay, right? It's okay to have fear and to respond even though you have fear. And sometimes, frankly, it's skepticism. It's like, okay, I've tried this before. You're asking me to do it. I don't see why. It doesn't make sense, but whatever. Fine. Yes, fine. And that's a good yes as well. How you feel does not dictate whether or not your yes to Jesus is valid or not. If you say yes, and then you follow what he is asking you to do, that is a great, excellent, excellent yes. The other thing I'd say is that if you're struggling with what it means to abide, if you're having a hard time wrestling through what it means to rest, understand it's, it's a process. It takes time. It takes decades. I'm four years into my journey, and I've arrived. I'm not going to lie. I've got it all sorted out. Just kidding. I'm not at all. I'm still deconstructing broken beliefs. I've still got lies that God is bringing to the surface. And the truth of the matter is, is that God loves me even if I never changed, even if I was just as neurotic and terrified as I am, all the, if I never changed, God loves me just as much. In fact, if I got worse, God loves me just as much. The difficult part for this, though, like I have no problem saying, oh, yes, I, I believe God loves me no matter what, but do I love me? I used to love myself and accept myself because of what I believed I was going to accomplish someday when I figured everything out. And so when I kept failing after failing after failing, my opinion of myself was dropping fast because what I believed I could achieve was dropping fast. Will you be okay if you never get better? So for me, um, this means giving myself permission to fail. And a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was sharing from the front. I had a really emotional uh, moment. God was really working in my heart. And I was confronted with how terrified I was to fail, how terrified I was to screw things up, and how terrified I was to have people look at me. And they may not say it, they might even look on their face, but thinking, boy, he really, he really pooped the bed there. Like we would, this would have gone well if not for Josh. And I'm terrified of that. And God brought me to this place where I was able to say, you know what? I give myself permission to screw up royally. I, I just had to give myself that permission. And obviously, some of you don't, are not afraid of that kind of failure. Um, some people have, seem to have no problem with like just excelling and exceeding in life. I'm going to tell you right now, I, have a, I live in terror of that. And every day, I have to remind myself, I give myself permission to disappoint my clients. I give myself permission to not be a good dad today. I give myself permission to, to make Sarah mad uh, at me. 
And it's not like I want to do those things. I'm going to go and do all those things. But the process of saying to myself, I give myself permission to not get it right is what I need. I need to be able to do that um, in order to abide. Because otherwise, my own desire for control, the situation just like overrides and I hit autopilot. Before you know it, I'm driving and Jesus is like, okay, like we're going here. Okay, great. Let's see what happens. And so I've got to be able to give, uh, give myself that permission to fail. Um, the other thing I'd say, and this is a newer revelation for me, but the idea of a community of grace. And the, I, a community of grace is a place where you can share your worst secrets, things you're most ashamed of. And people don't get nervous around you, but they actually recognize how hard it was for you to open up like that. And they love you even more for that. Um, literally just before the service, I flipped open this book, Trust for Today, uh, to devotional. I'm like, I wonder what it says today. And so this is what it says. Um, Trusted friends, God helps you find your friends. He knows that trusting them will be the key to your health, maturity, and the ability to give and receive love. Honest affirmation from friends is how we discover who we are, what we can and cannot do, and what we have to give away to the world. True friendship is a place so safe that the terrible, horrible, no good me can be known, and I discover I'm loved more, not less. How big is that? Having and being such a friend, it can be more valuable than any talent we possess. For if love is a process of meeting needs, then being able to receive the love of another is an indispensable means of experiencing the love of God. This includes receiving corrective truths from each other. These are hard to hear at times, but eventually they become as freeing and fulfilling as receiving affirmation. Don't let today slip by without telling a friend how incredibly important they are to you. I will say this. I have heard messages similar to what I've shared before in my life, and what changed things for me was having a community of friends where they loved me through it all. And I'm not saying I wasn't loved in any other community, but it was a community where I decided to be messy. And I'll never forget, um, oh yeah, we got time, I can go here. I'll never forget, <laughs> I'll never forget, um, there's a, we were having a small group meeting with, my, with some friends, and um, that night, there had been an accident in our house where I was carrying a big load of laundry down the stairs, and my little guy, Thorne, I think he's like a year and a half, a year, maybe a year old at the time, climbing up the stairs, I didn't see him, and I put 270 pounds of weight right in his little hand, and he started screaming immediately. I picked him up, carried him to Sarah, and I looked at his hand. I've never seen anything like it before. It was like a weird, spidery black bruise with white spots all over it, and I was like, okay. It's not like, huh, should we take him to the hospital? It's like, no, no, I'm starting to warm the van up because we got to get him to the hospital right away. Um, so I gave him to Sarah, ran out, started the van, came back in, and he had calmed down a little bit. He was breastfeeding. I always... <laughs> I'm not going to make a boob joke. Um, and... <laughs> He, had, he was calming down a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. And, <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's just pray for him, and then we're going to get him out there. And it wasn't like, oh, I really feel in my spirit. I, I feel led to pray for healing for him. It wasn't that at all. It was like, well, he's hurt. We probably should pray before we get him out the door. And I prayed, and I looked down, and I was like, that bruise looks smaller. I'm like, this, am I seeing things? Oh, I took a picture of it. And then within three minutes, like, it was all the way gone. And it blew my mind. I was like, I can't believe this. And we, we were supposed to go to a small group that night. And um, 
And I was about to cancel the sitter, and I was like, screw that. If he's fine, we're going. Because, like, I just, I'm really looking forward to hanging out. And then we were at the group, and I was kind of sharing about what had happened. And I'm like, I get really emotional a lot of the time. And I was, like, feeling really emotional about it all. Um, and then, like, towards the end of the group, um, some, a few people made jokes about, like, oh, unless you step on your kid's hand or something like that. And, it was, and I was pretty new to the group, and I, it really hurt my feelings. Um, thankfully, it was time to put some of the kids to bed. So I went upstairs to set the, settle the kids down. And I was sitting in the dark, um, and whatever kid it was that had fallen asleep. And I was like, you know, I could just stay up here for the rest of the night because I could say, oh, he had a hard time going to sleep. And no one would second-guess me. He's like, I do not want to be downstairs right now. I went through something difficult, and I'm being made fun of. Like, this is garbage. And then it's like, God spoke to me. He's like, if you really want to experience love, like, you have to be willing to be, me- be messy. And I just, as soon as he said that, like, in my head, it was like, it's not that I'm mad about being made fun of. It's that I don't want to have the difficult conversations. And guys, what you said to me, it hurt my feelings. Like, I didn't want to say that because I liked these people so much. And I wanted them to think well of me. I didn't want them to think, oh, he's the weak link. Careful what you have to, we have to be careful what we say around Josh. Like, that is a, a huge fear for me. And I was like, okay, I'm not... So I went downstairs um, and we had a conversation about it and I felt really loved and I don't know what other people are feeling, but I can say that me making that decision was huge because that was me saying, okay, I'm in a place not where I'm just willing to accept others, but I'm going to, willing to risk not being accept, accepted. Um, and the group of friends, which are really people here, like they prove to me that I can trust them. They're earning my trust. And God wants you to find a community of people that will earn your trust. And I know that that is the heart of New Life Fellowship. And we're not for everybody, but if that sounds like something that you want to experience deep in your heart, then I just encourage you, like, we, we want to be that for you and with you as well. So um, just two more quick things. So the first one I would say is that if all else fails in your uh, concept of, uh, of like abiding or walking with Jesus and rest, Romans 8.28, it's the great safety net. All things work together for good to them that love God and to them who've been called according to his purposes. Even if you screw up, even if your life is, is you don't sort things out ever, God promises that he will make it right. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, stepping into heaven. All things are made new. All things, maybe that's what it is. Um, but Every decision that we make, when we're making it from a motivation of trust and like, okay, I'm going to risk here, like all things will work together for good to those who are called. So have you been called? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Yeah, Jesus has called all of us here. This verse applies to everybody here. The last thing I want to share with you is, uh, or the second last thing, is that without a shadow of a doubt, when you say yes to Jesus, he takes you seriously. He responds and he will work in your life. He who has begun a great work will complete it. And that's Philippians 1 verse 6. Uh, just one more thing to share. Um, about, a, about a year after I wrote my letter, um, I was writing my journal. And I just reread the parable of the prodigal son. And I had a really emotional experience. I was just kind of processing it as I was writing it down. Um, and this is what I read. I wrote, As I read the parable of the prodigal, I find myself drawn to the older brother. I imagine what he might have felt or thought as he watched his younger brother return from his dalliances to open arms and over-the-top welcome of dad. 
I imagined he felt deep pangs of jealousy and rage and indignation. The older brother felt that. If anyone deserves the party, he's thinking, it's me, not that degenerate. I've sweated and worked and planned and failed and injured myself all in the service of God, all in the service of Father. I've been slaving away in the fields, working my fingers to the bone, struggling with poor results and frustrated ambition. And I just feel this desire to explode at my father. Clearly, he does not appreciate my work and my effort. I want to let him have it. I want to let him see how much it hurt that he was holding himself aloof from me in spite of my struggle to please him and make him proud. And then father's there in front of me, and he's speaking to me. Son, everything I have is already yours, he says, and you have been with me the whole time your brother was gone. This is where God goes off script and he doesn't stick with what he said in the original parable, but that's cool. Um, Josh, you've been trying to be an excellent employee. You've been trying to provide a good return on the investment of salvation you feel I made into you, but you're wrong. I don't want you to be an employee. I want you to be my kid. I don't want you to be a good return on an investment. You look at what you've received as an investment, but it's not. It's an inheritance. You can't deserve an inheritance. You can't earn an inheritance. You get it because you're in the family. That is the only stipulation. I hear those words from my dad and something shifts inside of me. I suddenly see what I've been doing and all of its stark wrongness. And quickly, before I can convince myself not to, I lurch forward into his arms and I sob into his shoulder. The anger and frustration drain away, replaced by regret and spikes of shame. He smells like cedar shavings and rain and wood smoke, and his beard tickles my neck, and he whispers in my ear, you know what I want, son? I just want to be with you day in and day out. I want to be with you as you work in the fields. I want to show you and teach you how to build a family that thrives. I want to show you how to build a business. I want to spend every moment with you. I want to mentor you and teach you. I'm going to give you the family secrets. I want to rebuild your concept of who I am. I want to dissolve the formality that you feel towards me. And I want... I want you to call me daddy without feeling weird about it. I want to see your eyes shine when you look at me. I want to have your confidence, your attention, your affection. I want your heart. After a few minutes, I pull back, feeling sheepish at my display of emotion. His shoulders marked with tears and snot. Oh gosh, I'm sorry, I made a mess. I pull out a handkerchief to dab at the damp spots in his shirt, but he grabs my hand and he holds it in his and it's warm and calloused. Don't, he says, don't be embarrassed by this, gesturing to his shoulder. This is what sons do. I'm suddenly so glad and so filled with joy and thankfulness for him, and I throw myself in his arms again. I never want this to end, Daddy, I say. My words are muffled by a bear hug, but his response resonates through me. It never has to, Josh. It never has to. Oh, Father. I don't know what to say. You have an invitation for everyone here. And all of us are weary, all of us are heavy laden, and you have rest for us. And all that you ask, the only application point of this sermon is to come to Jesus. Father, give us grace for ourselves. Give us clarity. Thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us, and you, when we say yes, you respond to that because you respect our decisions. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.